Hello, and welcome to another edition of St. Paul's Letters to America. That's a great way to start the program with a cough. Anyways, uh, this is St. Paul's Letters to America. I'm your host, Ray Gerard. With me in studio, Mr. Robert Hennekes. Bob, 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 Bob. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you very much. I get concerned. Uh, you know, Robert is what my mother used to call me when she was torqued off at me, so I sort of flinch and and have a have a bit of a twitch when I hear Robert. So well, whenever I hear Raymond, it brings back all those fond memories. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that goes, huh? So uh, childhood, childhood memories. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a bit of what we're going to be talking about today. Actually, uh, this is uh, St. Paul's Letters to America, and uh, today's program, the new Disney, Unity for Some. Uh, let's begin uh, with um, wishing uh, grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If St. Paul were actually alive on this earth today, that's how he would begin if he was here to speak to us. He would wish us true spiritual grace and heavenly peace. Now what else would he say? What else would come from the real heart of the man who has been read by millions for thousands of years? And why should we care? Well, answering these questions is what we are going to explore in our next hour. This program is being... Brought to you in conjunction with St. Joseph Radio and the St. Joseph Evangelization Network, who kindly lend us their studios to record this broadcast. But as I say, today's program is going to be about the new Disney, Unity for Some. And why would we say that? Well, there's a new movie out uh, called Turning Red. And it's a fanciful story. I mean, Disney's all about magic and fantasy and that sort of thing. And uh, so it's a, it's a fantasy story about a little girl. She's in eighth grade. And she turns into a giant red panda when she gets mm, passionate or, you know, when she experiences extreme emotions. And it sort of seems kind of odd, but nevertheless, it's a story about this, this little girl. And uh, the, it's a little different than, uh, you know, a any other Disney movie. Uh, it begins, for example, um, I think, well, the trailer begins, the official movie trailer begins anyway, with this girl um, happily and joyfully proclaiming, sort of in a song kind of fashion, I wear what I want, I say what I want, 24-7, 367. I do whatever I want. That, I don't know, that might be a little different than traditional Disney. It's um, it's not really a Christian kind of a message. A Christian kind of a message is more about, well, doing for others, the golden rule, that sort of thing, right? But I want, I do what I want, I say what I want, and I do it 24-7, 365. And um, the main character also talks about the fact that all my life she's been perfect little Mimi, that's her name. Uh, but now she's got a wild side, and she likes this new life. Well, this brings her into contrast with her parents, as I understand. I haven't seen the full movie, although although my I have been informed my three-year-old granddaughter has already seen the movie. I don't know how much she took in at three, but she's seen the movie already. Um, and uh, this uh, this. Some of the things that the daughter does brings her into contrast, brings her into basically a, a contest or a challenge with her parents. Well, what is it that you know the girl is is starting to do? Well, 
Okay, get ready. Um, but we're going to be talking about um, more mature adult issues. Uh, and what we're going to be talking about is basically sex. This, uh, this little girl starts to explore some things. Uh, she has a, an attraction, and her friends do as well, to an older boy who they have sort of a crush on. But the daughter begins to make what are called, in at least one YouTube video, um, dirty drawings. And they're semi-nude pictures that she's drawing of this boy. And she gets, and she turns into a red panda, I believe. Well, why? Because she gets herself excited. She, at one point, um, crawls under her bed um, to get, as has been described, hot and sweaty with this sketch pad of drawings. Um, there's an endorsement in the movie to stripper music. Um, and there's a lot of talk about being in a tug of war with their parents and rebelling against the parents. If this seems a little out of character for the normal Disney movie, it prompted one mom to say, I'm saying goodbye to Disney. And in some comments to um, an article about you know, this mom's you know, new attitude towards Disney, I found lots of comments where people were saying you know, they canceled their trip to, to Disneyland this year. Now, one of them saying that they canceled our long-awaited trip to Disney, and our children were disappointed. And I can just imagine, you know, hey, Disneyland, Disney World, you know, and now we're not going. Uh, but she told the parents, told the children, there some things are much more important. I mean, that's just got to be hard. Well, it's it's really hard. It, it's also kind of hard for many people to imagine. I'm sure there's a lot of parents, and myself is included in that list, that think of Disney as rather wholesome, right? It's a, it's almost always a wonderful place with smiles and um, family values and family together, right? You you, you take your family together. Uh, to go and to go on these rides and things like um, the the various rides that you'd go on to the Jungle Cruise and, uh, you know, just good, wholesome entertainment. You sort of think of that. You sort of think when you're walking into the Disney lot and into the Disney park that everything there is going to be wholesome and conservative and kind. And um, it's hard to imagine that uh, they would make that change. It seems quite a large contrast to at least what I grew up, but I have to remember I grew up a long time ago. Uh, it, it, it seems very, very different from Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and Goofy and Pluto sort of clowning around with each other and getting into a little bit of difficulties and figuring out how to do the right thing to take care of each other and do the right thing to, to get out of whatever situation they're in. Yeah, it's... Um you know, it's it's not just um, it is it is hard to think of that. It's not just this one movie. There there are other events that have been taking place at Disney. Uh, there's a, a new law in Florida that the employees have come out against, or a law that I don't know if it's been passed yet, but it's uh, been uh, been written up and I guess submitted. But it prohibits gender identity discussions uh, up to third grade. So kids in kindergarten, preschool, first, second, third grade. You're not going to be talking to them about, you know, whether they're going to be masculine, feminine, transgender, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, I guess pan-gender, trans, you know. Um, I mean, why would you? So what you're talking about, Bob, brings up the question of really, you know, should there be at least some age of innocence for children? Should there be some little happy, carefree time in their lives when they're not so introduced to the world? When things are, in fact, magical, everything is beautiful and everything is, is peaceful. The traditional Disney movies always had your happy ending. There was, uh, you know, strife. There were troubles, turmoil in those movies, but somehow it all worked out. And, you know, the world was always like a good place. For example, the movie Bambi. I mean, the mother dies early in the movie, but, you know, things things work out. You have to which is a mirror on life. You have to overcome certain things. Yeah, there's going to be moments of sadness, but you recover, you know, you, you, can, you carry on, and, there, and there's other people to provide love and so forth. Uh, and, and so it's, it's an idyllic, bucolic kind of view that I guess is the principal theme of what you would consider, you know, traditional Disney. And this idea of, you know, some kind of a fantasy land uh, was... Really, the uh, it was the hope, the dream, uh, you know, the plan of Walt Disney. You know, he said, for example, that, you know, he said he said this. He said, "Why do we have to grow up? I know more adults who have the children's approach to life. You see them at Disneyland every time you go there. They're not afraid to be delighted with simple pleasures, and they have a degree of contentment with what life has brought." Sometimes it isn't much either. Why do we have to grow up? Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's sort of a beautiful idea. I mean, he said, he said this as well. He said, I don't want the public to see the world they live in while they're in Disneyland. I want them to feel they're in another world. You know, they, uh, they take that to a great extent. If you ever see um, a character... They're always in costume. One of the things they don't want you to see is them with their helmet off and Goofy standing there talking to somebody else in a Goofy body but with his, his helmet in his hand. They want you to understand or think of all of this as sort of a, a wonderful picture, a wonderful magical picture. And I think that's nice for a seven-year-old. In fact, for me, I think it's wonderful to allow kids to have that period of time while they're first opening their eyes and seeing things to see a world in wonder. And there's, quite frankly, lots of time to grow up and to learn about the difficulties in life and the harshness of reality and the, the difficulty of competition and keeping a job and you can be fired and all those kind of things that occur. Why bring that on to a child that's just learning to read? or just learning to write, or just learning to do basic mathematics. Let them truly enjoy that period of time when they really don't even have those feelings in them, right? That's, that's not there. They have some feelings going on, but that's not something that's very normal for a, for a young child. And we're sort of thrusting them into things almost well before they're prepared to have any clue how to handle it. Walt Disney, I guess, in... In just one sentence, Walt Disney was about bringing happiness to little children. He wanted the children to just be happy, not to have concerns or cares. 
And if, for example, they lived in a family that, you know, didn't have much, they could go to Disneyland and leave all that outside, and then there's this wonderful world of just magic and color and, and music and, you know, just a dreamlike kind of a place. So at least for a little while, you could escape from the world. And for children, I guess that age of innocence is important to have. It's important to, to think that everything around you is good and sweet and wholesome, at least for at least for a time. That's more of a natural state of a child. Child, you know, many children their earliest experiences are of a loving, caring mother, uh, and they don't. You know, they can depend on you know others you know bigger than themselves the world is safe the world is secure and i think bishop sheen at one point said you know that this kind of peace of mind of of a child makes a lot of sense because they look at the world with these innocent eyes uh, as the world is you know a, a good place because they're so they're they're, they're still closer to home they're closer to the home that we have, which is not of this world. They had just come from that other realm, from God's realm, and they're still getting acclimated to the new realm, which is the you know our world that we know. And so, it's it's more natural for them to still be thinking, I suppose, in the in the in the way that you know is is more akin to uh, you know what you could use to describe the home from which they came. And we know, Ray, that there are many children um, that most unfortunately have difficult lives at, at an early age. They, they are in places that you know, are, are bad, such as their parents being addicted to various drugs and uh, having a difficult life on the, and on the streets and people driving by in cars and firing guns and getting in fights. And they see a, enough of that. And to me, Disneyland represents a chance to sort of move away from all of those difficulties, right? Uh, and I think that's, that's kind of a nice thing. That's kind of a nice place to go to take your kids away from, from those difficulties. I, I think that makes a big difference, to let them feel safe. We want people to feel safe. We want them to feel loved. And that's sort of a place, Disneyland, without conflict, without difficulty, uh, allows him to feel comfortable. Well, you have all the uh, old fairy tales that would end with, and they lived happily ever after. Okay, not real life. But that was, I think, what they're trying to create with Disneyland, with the Disney movies. You know, everybody lives in Disneyland happily ever after. And in a way, that's also Christian, isn't it? That there's, uh, there's, a, there's a place where ever after, we're going to be happy. So, you know, why not uh, create this? Why, why not let children, you know, have that for a, a bit of time? Well, other people, you know, they think differently about this. So the real issue is, well, why not have a discussion? Why not involve the parents in, in some of these discussions? Disney, there's recently an internal um, video that came out about Disney in uh, which you had a lot of uh, a lot of executives at Disney talking about their strategic and planning choices. There's an executive producer 
who talked about implementing a, quote, not-at-all-secret gay agenda, close quote, um, and regularly adding queerness to children's programming. There's a production coordinator who talked about how uh, uh, he created a tracker to ensure that they are creating enough trans characters, asexual characters, bisexual characters. There's a corporate president who talked about making at least 50% of its on-screen characters sexual and racial minorities. Certainly nothing wrong with minorities. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, for example, other, other events that happened recently have happened at Disney is they have consciously decided to ma- remove from the Disney, their Disneyland parks in, in Anaheim and in Orlando, all mentions of ladies, gentlemen, boys, and girls. There was, uh, in this internal uh, video, uh, there was a, uh, a woman who told employees that the governor of Florida is trying to erase you and criminalize your existence. This is in regard to this, this new law uh, about... Um, you know, not having these transgender and, and gender identity discussions with children before third grade. And in response to this, you know, video coming out, Disney has refused to, or at least has not replied so far, to requests for comments on those, uh, on those quotations from people at this planning meeting. And the question is, why not respond to comments. Why not make a public statement about that video? We see in this movie Red Panda that they're implementing some of the things that were discussed at this this planning session. Well, why not talk about it? Why not involve the parents? The idea to make minorities at least 50% of your characters, I don't know. I mean, if You've got if, if people are belong to minorities, the minorities then that's not the majority. So if you're going to have something that's reflective of society, why wouldn't you care? Why wouldn't you have characters that belong to these different minority groups, but not necessarily give them a position of being 50% of the population? Why not make them in similar minority, uh, you know, proportions to what's exists in society? I don't know. That's a bigger discussion, and I don't pretend to be able to give you know an absolute answer to those questions. But why not have a discussion? Why not involve the parents? Why does this? Why does it get the feel like these these movies? Um, why this is being done behind the scenes, where these movies come out with this this sort of change, and you know you're just confronted with. I mean, this Red Panda movie. Like I said, my granddaughter saw it, and uh, my my daughter had no idea what was going to be in this movie. Actually, my daughter didn't show it to us you know, family friend, but whatever. Um, I don't think that person kind of knew either. You know, why why not have an overall, you know, general societal discussion? Why not involve the parents? Part of this issue behind this Florida law is keep it out of the schools up to third grade. Get, I mean, part of the proponent, part of the reason and the rationale behind what the proponents of this law are putting forth is that, you know, up to third grade, Keep it out of the schools. Let the parents deal with that. Let the parents have a say in the raising of their children. But there are people that are dramatic, you know, they're adamantly opposed to that law. And so the question is, well, are we, are, you know, 
are the people who are making policies for schools or the people who are promoting policies for schools opposed to having the parents? Are they, uh, are they against you know, the parents? Why should we be against each other? Why should there ever be, why should we be against each other ever? Our, um, and I think it's about time, our uh, reading from St. Paul uh, is, uh, is one that he originally wrote to the Ephesians. But if he were alive today, I think he would certainly again write to us here in America. And he says, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live in a manner worthy of the call you have received, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another through love, striving to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, one body and one Spirit, as you are also called to the one hope of your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, so that we may no longer be infants tossed by waves and swept along by every wind of teaching arising from human interests. Rather, living the truth in love, we should grow in every way into him who was the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, with the proper functioning of each part, brings about the body's growth and builds itself up in love. Therefore, pulling away falsehood, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun set on your anger. Uh, this was written at a time when he was uh, in prison, undoubtedly, uh, suffering uh, for, for Christ. He, uh, he uh, was devoting his whole life, his, his being, his body, everything to Christ. Uh, there was nothing that would separate him from that because to be separated from that is to be separated from the rest of humanity. There is, there is one body that's united in spirit. And that's a truth. That is an undying truth. The idea expressed by the main character in Red, Turning Red, uh, that, you know, I say what I want, I wear what I want, 24-7, 365, is a sentiment that kind of expresses a distancing of oneself from the rest of everybody around you. And certainly the movie involves, from what I understand, as I say, I have, have not seen this movie. But I've watched the, the trailer, and I've heard other people talk about it. That's never a complete, completely fair way to approach things, but uh, at the moment it's the best, best we have. But what I understand to be the case is that the movie also involved conflict with her parents, more distancing um, of a child from people around her. Is that the best thing? Now, the child is saying, well... I say what I want, I do what I want, because to some extent she feels impinged upon. She might feel that, you know, she is not like other people and therefore, you know, she is suffering. She is, um, you know, uh, she, she's one where, you know, she's being cast into self-doubt. Uh, I don't know, any kind. Of, I mean, a lot of people that if they feel 
cut off by other people, if they're made fun of by other people, if they're not like other people, you know, they may feel, like I said, these feelings of self-doubt, they may feel bullied, uh, they may feel, you know, uh, put upon, they may feel it's hard to cope, you know, in, in life. They may feel a lot of terrible negative things. But is the answer then to just separate yourself? Or is the answer a better one that, no, all those people around her, they're the ones who need to change, and they need to be more accepting. And what drives many of these the people inside Disney and elsewhere to promote this new agenda, if you will, is that that's what society needs to do. That's exactly the point that they would make. We have to be less discriminatory. We have to be accepting of everyone all the time, which is perfectly true. It's perfectly true. And why? Well, we know it's true because we have the example of Christ, which is who is the truth itself, who came for sinners. I came for sinners. He ate with tax collectors, you know, certainly the people that were most cast off by society. He did not reject them. There's a woman who's going to be stoned to death for committing adultery, being cast off by society and under the norms of society at the time was to die. Well, he accepted her too. So this is perfectly true. Ah, but there's the rub. People inside Disney, the people who expressed their feelings in this internal video, this exclusive video, this leaked video, would tell you that they want to promote the interests of the LGBTQ community because those people are discriminated against. Those people are in minorities. Those people are not accepted, at least by everybody in society. And so they want to promote the interests of those people. Again, that's perfectly true, to be loving and warm and kind to those people. Absolutely, perfectly, 100% universally true. Okay, but what about the parents? Do we not include them? Do we not also have a discussion with the parents? If the parents would say, okay, but for my child, I don't want them to be taught that they're not, a, that them to be told, well, you look like a boy, but you, but you might not be a boy, or things of that nature. What if the parents have that attitude? Well, that attitude is, is wrong. And, you know, I mean, we're going to implement these policies in these schools, and then we're going to tell the kids not to tell their parents. And this has happened. I, you know, there are stories out there about that sort of thing happening all the time. Well, why? This, this program today is about Disney, but it could be about any one of these other groups that, that feel this way. Any of these, these schools that are implementing these policies where they actually tell the kids, and it's been, it's been revealed they actually tell the kids. The kids come home and say this. Well, we're told not to tell you. And then, the, you know, then the parents will, you know, submit a Freedom of Information Act request or try to talk to the principal. And, you know, usually it's not all that successful. Why? In Paul's writing, he talks about unity. Unity. We need to be unified. So here's a strange idea. What if there's 
some answer, some truth, some, some way for us to behave properly in response to this question of how we include people with sexual identity issues, how we treat people with sexual identity issues, how we treat people in minorities, how we treat anybody. And what if we just had a discussion about that? What if we all you know, came to some agreement about how to do that? I don't know, maybe it might end up with, well, we treat them all very kindly, but you know, if there's you know, a, a behavior that we all don't, uh, which, which is not proper, and again, you know, making that decision of what is proper, what's not proper, is not for any one person or for any one group to decide. But in that particular case, supposing that if, if the society at large decides that we don't consider that proper, okay, we're not going to promote it, we're not going to encourage other people to do it, but we're going to treat everybody who does with absolute warmth, compassion, and kindness and forgiveness. I mean, is there something wrong with that idea? If the society at large regards something as not proper, then... Maybe we don't promote that behavior, but we don't condemn it. I think that's what Christ is all about, is we should not be condemning others. It is not us. I, I, I don't know how many times, I've never counted, but how many times in the Scripture we are not to judge other people. We are to love one another. We are to take care of each other. Um, you know, the, all of this... this uh, this young lady, the main character, who talks about herself and everything's important about her, is in such contrast to what we do many times in our teaching at school, at a Catholic school, which is the proper order to think of things, is not think of yourself first, but it's to think of God first, others second, and yourself third. And that's basically what God said, Jesus said when he was on earth, he said the first law and the most important is to love God with all your heart and soul and to love others as yourself. And if we're doing that, if we're thinking about others instead of ourselves, we can't help but love them and in fact try to understand what difficulties they're going through as opposed to telling them, this is what you have to do, tell them, Hey, this is what I think is there. This is this is the way I see it. This is the way I read it. This is, and let them know as opposed to telling others, you're not allowed to talk to your parents, children. You're not allowed to even bring this up because this might cause a problem. That in itself says we've got a big issue that uh, that we're not telling the parents and not being open and forthright with them. You don't get to decide. Hey, I want other people to be helped, but. In doing that, I'm going to knock down this group of people, parents or whoever it is. That would be a, uh, a real contrast, the wrong way to go. And you're right, absolutely right. Um, you know, there's another answer to this. So this idea, well, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, put the question up to society at large. I have this unity of all the people. And we just all get together. I don't know how, how that would necessarily happen, but it obviously begins with an, an open discussion as opposed to, like you're talking about, Bob, having situations where things are done in secret and you don't tell your parents about it. Um, you know, as opposed to this idea where we have this big discussion 
And we all agree, and as a society, the majority may decide what's proper and no, what's not proper. And even that has issues with it. There's, you know, I mean, there is a, there is a proper way of, of living and an improper way of living. And it's not really something that comes completely, you know, solely from what we think. It obviously comes from God. It comes from what was taught to us by Christ. It comes to us from the Bible. It comes to us from all the experiences of the Jews and the Israelites in the Old Testament. There's one message. There's one truth. But, you know, not everybody in society agrees with that view of things. So when we say, well, why don't we just have an open discussion in society, we at least give free vent to the people who do believe in this Christian way of thinking. And if the Christian way of thinking is uh, the better one, then hopefully that'll, that'll win out. But at least have this discussion where you include the parents who may have Christian beliefs and so on and so forth. And then if society at large agrees with those views or whatever views is in the majority, and we decide what's proper, and then we, you know, don't condemn, we don't condone what we think is improper, but we go ahead and, and, and have compassion. Well, you know, we don't promote it, but we have compassion to those who engage in that kind of activity. So that's one answer, one way of doing things. Well, that's, you know, that's, there's going to be losers in that discussion. And it's, it's obviously not an easy thing to do either, you know, to be able to have such a discussion and put it up to everybody in society and so forth. But, of course, that's no reason not to try. But there's another answer, another way of doing things besides that one. And the other way is just simply to say, well, who's to say what's proper, what's improper? Nobody can really say what's proper or improper, so... Everything's proper. That's the other answer. But there's a problem with that also. And the problem is, if everything is proper, where does it end? How do you have an ordered, organized society? In other words, how do you have a society which is not one that is mere chaos? Would you want to have chaos? If everything is proper... Um, okay, supposing we stop talking about sexual activity, <clears throat> supposing we talk about um, property, I take what you have because I want it. Is that proper? Yeah, that obviously, Ray, that's um, complete anarchy if, uh, if there is no ability to hold things that are yours to yourself, right? If it's all completely... Uh, able to be taken from you at a, at a moment's notice, um, and that would be acceptable, that's, that's obviously a, a, a crazy thought, right? What, what about if uh, <clears throat> I don't have children, give me one of yours. Is that proper? Or proper, I'll take yours. Is that proper? What's improper? At some point, you're going to reach a place where something has to be improper. So the answer that everything is proper is not, is not, it's just not feasible. You can't proceed down that road because if you proceed down that road, it's going to go farther and farther. As you go farther and farther down that road, people are going to get hurt. People are going to get really hurt. I'll tell you what's, I, I will give you an answer what's proper and what's not proper. What's improper is hurting somebody. Anytime you hurt somebody, that's not proper. Now, people in the Christian world have a word for that. It's called sin. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that funny? You know, if 
we just come to this idea of what's proper and what's not proper just from just simple, you know, thinking out loud, just an off-the-cuff kind of a, a way of, of looking at this question. And we come up with the answer that, excuse me, has been there all the time. Isn't it funny how that works out that way? Well, I, I think the Lord, in his infinite wisdom, has given us that opportunity to discern exactly that, that there are things that are proper. In a society that wants to take care of one another, we can't let um, stupidity reign and allow each other to beat on one another or allow each other to take things away from someone that's not, uh, that's not theirs. Uh, we can't harm children because children can't even make a lot of decisions, right? As you grow, one of the wonders of, of growing up is that hopefully a set, of, a set of parents would teach their children what they need to learn as they need to learn it, right? You, you obviously don't even know how to, um, how to eat food at first. So what do you do? You, you give them a bottle because that's what the child needs, and they can go ahead and bring the nutrients in either from breastfeeding or from milk, and we do what's proper. You don't hand them a T-bone steak, right, and, and expect a child to know what to do with that. There is a progression, and all of that makes sense to do what's right for that child as opposed to yourself. Um, there's got to be things that, uh, that make sense, and, and it's got to be age-driven. Uh, certain things are very possible for a, for a young child, and many things are not and should be kept away. They should. So many things should be kept away. I mean, if everything was proper for a child and you just let a child do whatever it wanted to do, it would end up at some point hurting itself. It would stick their finger in a, in a light socket. It would you know, run out into the street and get hit by a car. There's got to be limits to which, what is allowed is what's proper for a child and what's not proper for a child. And any good parent knows that, right? I, I can remember a time when my son picked up a knife um, that was sitting on the kitchen table and I saw that and whirled around and snatched it from his hand before any damage could be done. And he got mad at me. He wanted that knife. It looked shiny. It looked, looked pretty. And he thought that was kind of a nice thing to hold. Maybe you've even seen a movie where somebody was wielding a knife and uh, he wanted to sort of see what that was like. And we have to have a discussion about why that wasn't okay, that that was the wrong thing to do. And he could hurt others or he could hurt himself and so he doesn't know the responsibility that that brings with it and all of those are decisions we have to make as a as a parent when I quit taking the knife from a child for me may be a lot different age than somebody else chooses but that parent is the one that needs to make those choices they need to be informed we need to help them understand and then the parent ultimately makes those kind of calls and we need to be available to allow that to happen, to allow the parents to raise the children and begin to bring things in when it's appropriate and when the timing is right. Sex and sexuality for a child that's in second grade is crazy to me. They have no idea what, uh, what's going on and what the implications could be. And as you begin to talk to someone about these things, inform them, they begin to want to try it out. So why in the world would we be trying to bring sex and sexuality to someone who's seven years old when they have no comprehension how to handle that? There's no way they can do that. And if you're loving, 
we bring them lovingly to the point where they do understand it when it's appropriate and when that time is. I'll tell you that, <clears throat> that there is a new hurt that's being done. For example, just by this movie, Red Panda, there's a hurt that's being done. If the motto is, if the, if the ultimate, if the one, you know, overarching rule should be hurt no one, and everything we do all the time, all the time, everywhere, 24-7, 365 is the main character in Red Panda says. If the, rule, if the one rule that should reign over all that time is hurt no one, then I would say that this new movie, Red Panda, may break that. Well, I think it does break that rule. Here's why. My daughter was hurt. Um, you have your child, and they watch a movie meant for children with sexually explicit content. Now, and you didn't know that that was going to be in the movie before you started watching the movie. The movie comes with wrapping and ribbons and bows saying this is a kid's movie. And then it has sexually explicit content in the movie. Are you not surprised? Are you not blindsided? Do you not feel put upon? You know, I like watching old westerns. And it's funny to me, but I'll see these warnings at, be at the beginning of the movie or the show, I mean, the old TV shows. Outdated cultural depiction is what it says. Be warned. There are values expressed in this movie which are not good ones. This is an outdated cultural expression. And, of course, there are other movies that have all kinds of warnings on them. Well, why not have a warning to a kid's movie? Won't be war it would seem odd, wouldn't it? And, of course, the old Disney movies wouldn't have any kind of warning. They'd have a G rating. It's, it's fine for all audiences. But the new movies, why not have a warning? You know, beware. Culture, you know, sexually explicit content in the kids' movie. If you had that kind of a warning before you took your kids to see Red Panda, you might not take them to see Red Panda. Or Turn Red, I guess, is the name of the movie. Well, then why not put the warning on there? Because you don't want them to know. And so then people get hurt. They're not being told the truth. Anytime you don't tell somebody the truth um, and you get them to do something that they might not otherwise do, well, in, the legal, in legal terminology, we do have a word for that. It's called fraud. It's a crime. It's uh, if it's bad, if you know people you know lose money. It, it's a, it can be a crime. Uh, it's a civil violation which allowed you to get a judgment in a court of law and recover your money from those people. Where do you go to recover the people that commit the fraud against you? Where do you go to get back the innocence your child has lost because they saw a movie with sexually explicit content, and the world was not all beautiful and fanciful and magical? Where do you go to get that back? It's impossible. Right? It's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. So are you being totally fair and honest with people when you're deciding, you know, in these corporate meetings that this is what we're going to do, and then you put out these movies that have this content in it, and unsuspecting parents take their kids to see it? There's something that is not, there's something that's being done in darkness and not in the light. You bet. And one of the, you know, you, you don't know that this is the answer, but one of the thought processes could be, why do that? Well, the parents aren't smart enough to know, but we know, 
And so therefore, we're going to put this material out and hide what it truly has so we can get this information to these children because they need it. They deserve it. Their parents are thinking the wrong way. We know better than their parents know. And we're going to figure out how to get this information to people that really need this. And that's taking an unbelievable step. Now, I don't know if that's in Disney's thought process. I don't know that that's what they're trying to do. They're, they're trying to fool the parents into allowing these kids to see something. But they have completely bypassed the, basically the, the, the way the United States and most cultures believe that the parents are the ones who make those decisions. We not only want them to, we expect them to. They are to protect children. They are to watch over them. They are to educate them. They are to get them food. That is the parent's job. And by the way, a wonderfully loving opportunity. One of the greatest things in most of the folks I know, their world, is taking care of their children and having brought them up and teaching them these ideals and then allowing them to make the choices as they get old enough for themselves, right? It's a good thing when a child chooses something different than a parent. You allow them to make those choices with their thought process. You don't dictate to them. You don't tell them. You allow them to grow so they can make their own choices. What a wonderful thing that is. And it seems most unfortunate that a company that is so well thought of as, as putting out nothing but wonderfully lovely materials for any age group might be involved in such a thing to, to sort of fool the parents. Yeah. The thing about the I mean, what you were talking about, the relationship between a parent and a child, it's an intrinsically close relationship. You spend most of your time with the adults that you're living in the same house with. You depend on them. And as you say, Bob, it gives the parents an opportunity to love a young person uh, almost you know, completely or as completely as, as we're capable of. And that's a wonderful experience in love, a wonderful experience in mutual love. There's something about the opportunity inherent in a parent-child relationship that teaches people how to love. If a parent you know, exhibits all kinds of love for their children, well, maybe they learn how to love, and then they can obviously carry that forward to other people as well. And if a child loves its father and mother, its brothers and sisters, et cetera, maybe that child will carry you know, that way of behavior into situations with other people. It's a learning environment, a learning, an environment of, for learning love in a way that is not really possible with people that you're not in that same kind of situation with. I remember growing up back in the 60s and 70s, and of course, that was the era of the Cold War. And we were told that, you know, the Russians are bad people. We imagine all kinds of things in our minds about the Russians and who they were and what they were like, and they must be bad, and so on and so forth. And then President Nixon would have these meetings. There was a movement called, or an idea called detente. And it was funny. When Nixon met with Brezhnev face-to-face, person-to-person, or when he went to China to meet face-to-face with the premier of China, guess what? People had to deal with one another. 
they became into close contact with one another. They had to deal with one another as persons. And guess what? The situation warmed. The relationship warmed. Not just for those people involved in those meetings, but for everybody watching it on TV. When you saw Nixon meeting with the Chinese premier, when you saw Nixon meeting with Brezhnev, you know, Nixon with Mao uh, and with Brezhnev, you know, you, okay, and it just made you feel more comfortable you know, because, well, somebody we know is, you know, is close to somebody we don't know. And so, well, then we, you know, then there must be something okay about that other person. It was, you know, when you don't know somebody, you can imagine all kinds of things. But then when you have to deal with them one-to-one, it somehow that changes. And that's really funny. And why is that? Well, in a child-parent relationship, you know that other person a lot. And so it's a learning-to-love kind of environment, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. When we're distant, we can't love, and, you know, we can be in a cold war, maybe with other people. But then when you get close to that other person, the coldness just almost has to fade away. And that's what a lot of people inside Disney and out who, you know, believe in a new agenda, that's what they want for everybody. They want people to get close. They don't want people to be separated anymore. Hey, don't cast off people in these minorities. Well, yeah, and as we said before, that's the message of compassion and love that, you know, we don't, everybody agrees with that. Everybody agrees with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's something perfectly, not forget, not wrong, it's good. Um, you know, but uh, that's got to work all ways. That's got to work all ways. And that means including the parents as well. What do they feel? And if it works all ways, then it also gets us to the question, okay, so how do we deal with these people inside of Disney that are you know, making these movies that, well, they're not all peacefulness and goodness and joy and happiness. Uh, that, that preach selfishness. I, I, I say what I want and I do what I want, even if my parents don't like it 24-7, 365. We don't agree with that. We don't agree with that message. How do we then approach the people who do believe in that message? Because the only reason they're saying that message is because, you know, they feel, um, you know, they feel that they've had maybe childhood experiences where they weren't allowed to freely express themselves or do what they want, and they were pushed around. They weren't allowed, you know, the freedom that they might want to have. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's natural. It's, it's, it's perfectly fine to say, I don't want to be discredited and discounted and, and shunned. I don't want to be shunned. Well, that's perfectly fine. Uh, so how do we deal with those people who, because of those perfectly le- legitimate good, normal sentiments, then carry it to a point where now you're teaching kids to be distant from their own parents. So how do we deal with these, these people inside of Disney? Oh, we had the an- we gave you the answer. Have you not been listening? Putting away falsehood, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Members one of another. That's a strange word to use, members. We're not friends of one another. No, we're members 
of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun set on your anger. There's one answer to this question of how we treat those people we don't agree with. And one answer for those people who don't agree with us to deal with us. And that's that simple one we came with earlier, which is don't hurt anyone. Simple. Don't hurt anyone. So why not have a discussion? Why not strive for this unity of spirit and forget the distancing and forget doing things in secret and uh, let's all just try to be, you know, people that treat treat others with, you know, ultimate compassion all the time. And that includes the parents. That includes not trying to interfere with the child-parent relationship. And if that's an opinion um, and, you know, that's taking one side of a question, well, you know, St. Paul says, speak the truth. And we, I don't think, have the ability to just keep silent when other people are doing things that are going that perhaps will harm the chi- will harm a child. You know, Christ said, "Yeah, if you harm a child, you know, it'd be better. If, you know, you hang it up. You know, what is it? Hanging out a millstone around millstone your neck. around your neck. Or right. albatross, but, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Hang a millstone around your neck, cast them into the sea. Don't harm the children." Don't harm the children. Disney was about creating happiness, unbounded happiness for children. The news Disney, in some ways, uh, may be creating hurt for children, even though their intentions are exactly the opposite. And so we ought to be able to include their viewpoints and the viewpoints of parents and not have things done in secret and... So there's a, there's a bit of a new Disney uh, here, and we need to know about it, and we do need to speak about it, but always, always, always with total love, no judgments of the other people, uh, and it, in the way that we you know, best can do it, try to imitate Christ. Why, Ray, there's, in fact, there's really nothing wrong. In fact, it's a wonder for people to get together and talk about issues and try to have a conversation. That's really what you want to do. You want to bring things out in the open and have that conversation. But I think there's a certain responsibility if you're a corporation or anyone to, if you're going to make a change from what you've been doing, what you've been seen as, what people know you as, and then try to use that reputation to then try to go ahead and get a message across that doesn't fit with that reputation. You're, you're, you're sitting on um, a value and you, that people think, right, wholesome and wonderful. And that's what we think about Disney. That's what all of us think about Disney. If you've ever been to Disneyland, if you've ever seen Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, if you've ever seen Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck running around and taking care of one another in the movies, you sort of think that there's a responsibility to let folks know what's coming on and what's coming about and not try to fool folks. Fooling someone is obviously wrong. Having an upfront discussion with someone, bringing your opinion across, is a, is a wonderful thing. In fact, we could do, stand to do more of that in open forums where we tell each other the difficulties and try to find a solution to those. But hiding, sneaking around, and trying to throw something 
crafty in to bring people to a different place. And when you have that reputation as doing nothing but bringing smiles and happiness to people just feels wrong. It, it feels like you're lying, like you're cheating, like you're using your reputation to do harm. Most, most disappointing. It is. It is. Uh, it is disappointing. But like anything else, it's an opportunity to do better. So um, that is our program for today. And as uh, as we do always, we're going to close this program with a prayer. And for that prayer, we're going to ask uh, our deacon in training, soon to be uh, not a deacon in training. Uh, Mr. Bob, if you would please lead us in prayer. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, so many difficult things in the world, and so much going on, and people very different, and changes, and just a, a lot to comprehend. Let us always know that in all of those difficulties, even in the strife, in the things that are going on, allow us to know you are there. You have every answer. You have every word that we need to hear. Allow us to truly open our ears and our minds to your word, to your love, to your scriptures, and allow that to help us go and help other people. Always allow us to be your servants, your loved ones that are bringing your word to others and to love them with all of our hearts as you asked. And we pray all this through the one that came to not only be with us and teach us, but to save us, and it is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Name of the Father, and of the Son, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.